Why is Aaron Judge cranky? And which team is trying to do something novel in center field? And nope, we're not talking about the Marlins this time. And who might be in the best shape of their life? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, February 19th. Al Melchior here with Derek Van Riper. So DVR, the big news. Um, unfortunately, I suppose, uh, about Aaron Judge. I say unfortunately because it's not clear how serious this injury is for him. But uh, there have been reports that he has a cranky and sore right shoulder. He is going to miss the Yankees Grapefruit League opener this Saturday. So that raises the big question, DVR. Are you worried about Judge's productivity in the Grapefruit League? I mean, I'm worried that this is the kind of thing that could linger. If he doesn't have any sort of surgery or prolonged period of rest, how do we know that he's going to get back to 100% this season? We're talking about a guy who's missed a lot of time, both in 2018 and in 2019. The slash lines have been great, but that absence has been a big deal. The deeper the league you play in, the more difficult it is to replace a high-end player like Aaron Judge. So, uh, it's a little bit like the Eugenio Suarez situation that we've talked about recently where, especially that early, when you're talking about guys you're going to draft maybe in the second round of your of your draft, why would you subject yourself to unnecessary injury risk when there's a completely healthy, similarly skilled player sitting right there on the board? Yeah. Well, by the way, you, you actually just went straight for the real question instead of the bogus question I asked you about how well he'll perform in the Grapefruit League, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about you know the Yankees Grapefruit League title chances. Uh, this is obviously the uh, <laughs> the bigger issue. Um, so he's been dealing with this for a couple of weeks. He recently had an MRI that showed not much progress, not much change. So that's a little disconcerting. And I want to get back to actually the very last thing that you said, which is you know comparing Judge versus somebody else of of comparable value. Well, of course, yesterday was Tier Tuesday here on the Athletic. And for my hitter tiers piece, Judge played sort of a pivotal role in my discussion of the outfield pool because the outfield tiers, both in terms of my rankings and to a slightly lesser degree in terms of ADP rankings, for outfield, it's very evenly spaced almost all the way throughout, like from the top five players overall, like all the way down into like deeper leagues. It's just outfield is just really evenly spaced. So the one real exception to that pattern was that there's a I, there's a little bit of a dip after Aaron Judge, a healthy Aaron Judge comes off the board. So of all the outfielders this could happen to, for drafting purposes, this one's kind of a pain in the butt for us. So um, does that maybe, because of the tiering situation, does that maybe encourage you to treat Judge with a, a little, give him a little more slack perhaps, or you just move right on to the next tier? I think I start moving on to the next tier. I mean, I, I look at the auction calculator on Fangraphs a lot just to get a feel for where various projection systems uh, are valuing different players. And with Aaron Judge, even without taking playing time away, he's behind Bryce Harper and Charlie Blackman and George Springer and Starling Marte when you run the auction calculator for a 15-team league with Derek Cardi's The Bat System plugged in. And mm-hmm. you know, I had Harper right behind Judge initially anyway, so Harper over Judge becomes really easy. 
if you drop Judge even 10 to 15 spots among hitters, that would put him behind Marte, Blackman, maybe even like Austin Meadows. I mean, I think Aaron Judge versus his teammate, Giancarlo Stanton, might be the realistic point in the outfield rankings where I start to think about getting enough of a discount to maybe take that chance on Judge. And again, we don't know. Things could get worse. It's just, it's a strange time to have to be shut down. Like soon after spring training begins with an injury that kind of popped up before spring training even started. Yeah, well, and I do like that Stanton comparison because you're talking about a pair of hitters who both are elite when healthy, or at least can be, and both have, I think, fairly similar injury risk. And I mean, I know that's a weird way to put it because it's not a risk. I mean, Judge is not 100%, but looking long-term, at least over the course of the season, I think you can expect you know similar ups and downs from both players. So that that seems like the right landing spot uh, for Judge. As of right now, he's within the top 30 in ADP overall on just about every site. On CBS, oddly enough, there's a pretty big drop-off there. He's right around number 40. So I haven't taken a look at uh, you know Scott and Heath's rankings uh, specifically in regard to Judge. So I don't know if maybe you know they're already soft pedaling and that's affecting the um, the ADP. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, a tough one to deal with for sure, given how high the ADP is. Uh, we've got another development here. It's actually very similar to one that we talked about on uh, Tuesday's show. Uh, on that show, we talked about the Marlins and them. Uh, giving Jonathan VR a chance to win the center field job when you know we're more familiar with VR as a as an infielder. Well, the Rangers are doing a really similar thing with Nick Solak, who plays a little second, will play second base primarily, a little third base, so kind of a, a similar profile to VR, and they're giving him a shot to become the everyday center fielder of that, according to Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News. And if you have already drafted Danny Santana, or he's somebody who you're planning on targeting. That might be raising your uh, your pulse a little bit or your blood pressure because uh, that's where Santana was apparently ticketed to play. And so that might move him into a utility role. So Solak and Santana, does this bit of news change anything for you in regard to those two players, DVR? I think it's it's more in line with this just being kind of a, an understanding of how they are going to use Solak. I, I didn't really know what his limitations might have been defensively if he was second base only or if he could kind of fake it at short in a pinch if Elvis Andrews were hurt. Uh, I've seen him listed atop depth charts at third base before. But when you look at the way the Rangers are built, center field is kind of a glaring weakness for them. So it's possible that he has a position to call his own. Uh, maybe this is a bit like the Reds putting Nick Senzel in their outfield this time last year. With Nick Solak, we're talking about a guy who has good speed. He was in the 89th percentile in StatCast sprint speed in 2019. So despite having the UT-only designation in a lot of leagues because he was DHing so much during his brief time in Texas last year, he's a much more athletic player than people are probably going to give him credit for. So this could actually work out really well. Uh, Santana's one of those guys, Al, that I've really kind of stayed away from this draft season. I think his range of outcomes, as we saw last year, is very wide. And last year was probably as good as it gets. But if he even holds 80% of the skills that we saw from last year, he's a good bench guy, right? I mean, the, the downside is probably Nico Goodrum-type production from Danny Santana as a bench player, which plays pretty well in deeper mixed leagues and certainly plays in AL-only formats, even if the playing time comes down a little bit this year. 
Yeah, well, sort of reminiscent of Josh Bell with the really strong and surprising first half and then a big, big drop-off late in the season for Danny Santana and for Bell. So uh, this certainly puts even more of a damper on his value and increases his risk uh, all the more so. Now, um, it also sort of uh, says something about some other players on the Rangers roster, particularly Rugnet Odor, who I've been writing quite a few negative things about in terms of his value because uh, even though there wasn't a particular reason to think that Solak was going to take time away from him, uh, he's just been a very consistent disappointment in terms of production the last three seasons. And yet the Rangers apparently are committed to giving him another shot at second base. I think a lot of people are probably very lukewarm on Todd Frazier, but I think that in a way this is really good for Todd Frazier because... Solak could play at third, and maybe ultimately that could happen still. But Frazier had a nice little, I think, sort of underappreciated bounce back season with the Mets last year, and he's getting a huge, huge upgrade in park factor. So I think he could have kind of a quiet, nice season over third base if they just leave him alone over there. Yeah, I do like Frazier as more of an AL-only type player, but the guy who really loses in all of this, I mean, Santana probably loses a little... Ronald Guzman, even though he's a lefty and he's a young option at first base, like I don't really have a lot of faith in him sticking on this roster and having even the big side of a platoon role because for a first baseman, he doesn't offer a ton of power. He has kind of ample like 20 to 25 home run raw power. And the numbers have been pretty bad for him so far as a big league player. 229, 307, 415 line over 210 games the last two seasons. So I could see Todd Frazier really being the primary first base option for this team, an occasional third base option, maybe against lefties. And and that's going to hurt Ronald Guzman quite a bit if first base is his primary position. Yeah, and no, I agree with that too. I think he's much more at risk than Danny Santana. I think he brings less to the table than Danny Santana. And Frazier has already said that he's completely open to playing at first base if that's where they want to put him. So that's an option too for Solak to play over at third and Frazier to play at first. There's a lot of moving parts here. So, I mean, to stick uh, any of these players in a particular role and say, well, this looks like this is how it's going to be until game 162, that's probably a little, a little silly. And in reality, probably... Uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of mixing and matching there in, in Texas. Uh, now, let's uh, move on over to the Tigers. We haven't really talked about too much. And this ties into our featured read of the day. This is from the Tigers beat writer at The Athletic, Cody Stavenhagen. Everything gets a little louder. Miguel Cabrera still has the power of presence. Really, really neat piece. And you, actually, DVR, uh brought this to my attention and really enjoyed the piece as I'm sure you did too. So obviously the focus here, it's on a number of the players, but it's, it's squarely on, on Miguel Cabrera and how he's apparently lost some weight in the off season. He made some pretty big changes to his diet, including Noah Rapas, uh, which I know is hard for both of us to imagine, but um, <laughs> for ourselves, I mean, um, but uh, you know, it, it does raise a question. It's, it's the annual question of these, you know, best shape of my life stories. How much is this really going to translate into a comeback potential? Uh, now, Cabrera has managed to hit for average while other things have eroded, uh, namely his, his power. And last year, his plate discipline really eroded. But we did a poll. Uh, well, specifically, I did a poll on my Twitter account and asked people to respond to which of these four 35 and older players is getting most underrated in NFBC ADP. Nelson Cruz, 
who's at 88 ADP right now. Uh, Yuli Gurriel at 125, Shin Su Chu at 251, and Cabrera at 461. So I really kind of spanned the, uh, the 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 whole ADP rankings here. And the runaway winners were Cruz and Chu. Cruz got uh, almost 43% of the vote. Chu almost 39%, leaving uh, the, the remaining uh, 18% or so to be split pretty evenly between Cabrera and Gurriel. So... Seems like, for the most part, in the the framework of this comparison, that people who respond to this poll think, yeah, 461 ADP, that doesn't sound too off-pace for Miguel Cabrera. Uh, do you feel like that's a little too harsh? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, if we went back four years to 2016, when Miguel Cabrera had his last great healthy season, he hit 316 that year, hit 38 home runs. If at that time you'd said four years from now, Miguel Cabrera and Nelson Cruz are both still going to be in the league. They're both going to have everyday jobs. Who's the better player? Everybody would have suggested Miguel Cabrera, right? I mean, he's an all-time <laughs> yeah. great player. The StatCast numbers are still not bad, even as he's declined. I mean, a 90.3 exit velocity for Miguel Cabrera last year was the lowest of the StatCast era, kind of by a, a decent margin. But 90.3 for a lot of players would be a career-best exit velocity. Mm -hmm. So there is still a pretty interesting foundation there. It's surprising that the power has dried up this much. Uh, I, I wonder if he's just one of those guys who he's got some time left on his contract. He wants to come back out and, and really prove that he's still a very good player at an advanced age because the last two years have been so disappointing for him. He's basically free. I don't know if I would draft him in a 12-team league, but if I'm looking for a bench option at the corner infield spot in the last few rounds of a 15-team mixed league, I think Miguel Cabrera is on my radar at this point as one of those guys who's going to be in the heart of an order, the playing time should be there, and the underlying skills might not be quite as gone as they might appear to be on the surface. Yeah, no, I think that's a good play. In a, like I said, I, I definitely wouldn't in a 12-team league. I don't think it's really necessary, but... 15 team, I think that's that's a that's a great late play. And like you said, he's even in those formats, he's basically free. You can get him whenever. You can get him in the reserve rounds, most likely. And I just I'll tack on one last note that's related to the poll here, which is that I wrote this poll before I started working on my next column for the athletic, which is on players whose uh, current ADPs are falling well short of how they ranked in roto value last year. And a lot of these players are the 35 and above. Uh, so Chu is one of those players. Cruz is one of those players. Um, Brett Gardner is one of those players. I don't think, I don't recall seeing that Miguel Cuperero was one of those players. Um, but, uh, you know, as seems to happen every year, the older players, I think, maybe don't quite get their due in drafts and they can be great bargains. You know, somebody like, Chu, uh, like uh, Cruz, rather, who's hitting as well as he ever had and not really getting credit for it. Check that out. Check out the uh, piece by Cody Stavenhagen. And uh, on that note, we're going to wrap things up here for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off of a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is part of the subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melker, and we will be back with you on Thursday. Thursday.